0: Today, I want to finish our Life Hacks series by bringing this message called How to Plug In to God's Power. When I was in high school, the boys from our church were legendary at the Christian camp that we went to for creative raids on the girls' cabin, the girls from our church. And it was nothing destructive. It usually was a way to scare them momentarily and remind them how much we cared for them. And one year, (laughs) while we were at camp, one of our guys decided to give our girls a more rustic experience. We had done some other things, but he unscrewed the light bulb in their cabin. And he put a small piece of cardboard between the light bulb and the socket... And then screwed the light bulb back in. And um, when our girls came in, the lights didn't work. And so someone called the camp manager, Mr. Brown, to let him know the lights didn't work. And apparently, Mr. Brown, who that night had company that he hadn't seen, family he hadn't seen in like 10 years, but he came down to the cabin and he thought he was just going to change a light bulb, but he changed the light bulb and he didn't notice the piece of cardboard. And so he ripped out wires and switches and spent several hours trying to fix it before he found that there was something blocking the power. We were in trouble. (laughs) As I recall, we spent one whole afternoon moving a pile of wood from one location to another location during our free time. And the next day during our free time, we spent time moving all of that wood back to its original location. Mr. Brown seemed to think if we wasted his time, he should waste ours too. Now, if only Mr. Brown had found the piece of cardboard blocking the power when he first changed the light bulb, we would have wasted less of his time uh, and he would have wasted less of our time. But There is a lesson there. There's a lesson there. You see, sometimes when spiritually we don't feel God's power in our lives, we look for all sorts of other reasons for not feeling his power. I mean, we try elaborate things. We decide to read 10 chapters of the Bible every day. We decide to fast for several days from food or from football Yeah, like, that's going to (laughs) happen. Or from Facebook. We decide to go on a conference to find God's power in our life. And those things aren't bad things. But often when we do them, we don't feel God's power any stronger than when we started. So then we decide... It must be a different problem. We decide we need a new growth group or a new church or a new pastor. And we make huge changes and we still don't experience the power of God in our lives the way that scripture teaches. There seems to be something blocking the power. And I think I know what it is. I think it's half-hearted faith. I think it's many followers of Jesus really do lack full devotion to him. So let me ask, are you fully devoted to Jesus? Are you fully devoted? I mean, I'm not talking about how often you go to church. I'm not talking about whether or not you believe or whether you're putting in your time serving him Are you fully devoted to Jesus? Are you experiencing his power in your life? Or do you just feel like you just have the spiritual blahs? Is powerful a word that you would use to describe your relationship with Jesus? If so, and you struggle with this like many people do... Then that brings us to the question that we've been asking in this series from the time we started it. What if doing one simple thing could change everything for you? What if doing one simple thing could change everything for you? What if there was a spiritual life hack that would... uh, help you very simply plug into God's power to experience his power in a real way on a daily basis. And the good news is, I think plugging into God's power is simpler than most people and most churches ever realize. Let's talk about it first from the standpoint of us as individual followers of Jesus. Here's the life hack for you. Ready? To plug into God's power, I must be fully devoted to Jesus. To plug into God's power, I must be fully devoted to Jesus. God's power comes into my life when I'm fully devoted to Jesus. I can't be playing games with him. I can't just be going through the motions. I have to be 100% committed or devoted to Jesus. So, how do I become fully devoted to Jesus? Well, first, I commit myself to depending on Jesus, I commit myself to depending on Jesus. And this starts by giving yourself completely to him. We start here because if we don't get this one right, the rest of what I will say today doesn't matter. In fact, I'm going to say something here that I don't often say. If when we're finished with this part of the message, if you decide not to commit yourself fully to depending on Jesus, if you decide not to give Jesus your heart, Please don't even try to apply the rest of the message today. Please don't even attempt to apply the rest of what we talk about. Later, we'll be asking you to take your next steps and to make some specific decisions about what you will do. And if you haven't given your heart to Jesus yet, that is your next step. That's your next step. And if you decide today that you aren't ready to depend on Jesus then please don't try to take other next steps. That's how people begin playing games with God. They miss the crucial step of giving themselves to Jesus and depending on him, and then they try to take other spiritual steps, and it doesn't work because God wants their heart first. God wants their heart first. Look at this passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And they did more than we had hoped. They gave themselves first to the Lord... And then to us, just as God wanted them to do. The first step is to give yourself to the Lord, to decide to depend on Jesus. I had a friend in California who tried to do it backwards. I had spent several years working on my next door neighbor. His name was Chuck, and he was a gruff guy. I mean, he spent most weekends out on the sand dunes with his sand rail and his beer. And it kind of freaked him out that he lived right next door to a pastor. I mean, that kind of freaked him out. But I decided that I would build a friendship with him. And I talked to him about cars. And I talked to him about home repairs and uh, sand rails. And he told me some jokes that I could not repeat here. (laughs) But they were funny and I laughed at him. Pretty soon, he started asking me to talk to, as he called it, the big guy in the sky. And I did. And then a crisis came into his life. And we talked a lot about that crisis. And then he started coming to church, and he liked our church. It made him feel better. Finally, he came to our membership class, and... Our membership class in that church was similar to our starting point class here, and I was thrilled. I mean, in that class, I spent the first hour sharing how to become a follower of Jesus, and I was hoping that Chuck would give his heart and his life to Jesus, and I'll never forget it. At one point during that class, Chuck raised his hand, and he said, wait a minute, are you saying that I have to become a Christian To become a member of this church? What a concept. I said yes, and he never came back to church. We continued to be friends and to talk, but he never came back to church. See, I was amazed. He was willing to be a church member, just not a Christ follower. He was willing to give and to serve and to commit to the church, but he wasn't willing to commit to depending on Jesus. Do you know what I fear? I fear there's some people like Chuck who have made their way into our church without really knowing that being a church member isn't the same thing as being a Christ follower. It's just not. I fear some are more committed to impact than they are to Jesus, and that isn't the way it ought to be. I mean, you need to give your heart to Jesus first, depending on him, and then commit yourself to his church. Look at this verse from Psalm 51. You do not want sacrifices, or I would offer them. You are not pleased with burnt offerings. My sacrifice is a humble spirit, O God. You will not reject a humble and repentant heart. King David wrote these words when he was repenting of his sin. He had committed sexual sins and then he had committed murder to try to cover up his sexual sins. And he says, God, you don't want sacrifices. You don't want burnt offerings, or I would bring them to you. Now, here's what's interesting to me God did want sacrifices at that time, He did. I mean in fact god had commanded people to bring sacrifices and burnt offerings to him by jewish law people were required to bring certain sacrifices and certain offerings to god so was david just wrong when he wrote these verses no david understood an important truth he saw that god didn't want people in spiritual motion without a spiritual heart He didn't want a sacrifice or offering without the person giving their heart to him first. He doesn't want ritual without the relationship. He won't reject a heart that sincerely turns to him, but he will ignore rituals that aren't heartfelt. See, the passage is clear. He wants humble and repentant hearts. A humble heart is a heart that says... God, I need you. I can't do this myself. I need your help. I need you to control my life. The repentant heart is the heart that says, Lord, I'm tired of living my life this way. The sin that used to be fun now just makes me feel dirty and tired and depressed. Doing it my way isn't working, God. I'm so sorry, and I'm sorry enough for my arrogance and my sin. To change my life, to do it your way, I give up and I give in to you. Is it possible? Is it possible that God brought you to this room today to say to you again, I want your heart? I want your heart. I want you to depend on me. I won't reject you. If you will just turn to me. He may be saying, I don't want more ritual. I want a relationship with you. Folks, that's the starting place. God can't really work in your life until he has your heart. So let's just pause for a minute right here in the middle of the message. I just want you to take just a few quiet minutes and to talk to God, hopefully to give him your heart. After a time of silent prayer, I'll voice a prayer for all of us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, again, or for the first time, we give you our heart. Father, some of our hearts have been hard. Some have been distracted. Some have been broken. We give them to you, trusting you to care for them. We want a relationship with you. We don't want just rituals. We want you to know that we love you. And we declare that you are in charge of our lives. We commit ourselves to depending on Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. So first, I commit myself to depending on Jesus. Secondly, I commit myself to determined obedience. Determined obedience. There's no way around this. To be fully devoted to Jesus, I must obey him. And not just a casual obedience, but a determined obedience. And what do I mean by that? Well, determined is defined as having made a firm decision and being resolved not to change it. Having made a firm decision and being resolved not to change it. Determined obedience is me deciding in advance that I will obey him no matter what he asks me to do. And I won't change that decision when things get hard, when things get uncomfortable, when he asks me to do something that's unpopular. I won't negotiate on it or rationalize why it's okay for me to avoid it. I will just determine right now that I will obey him no matter what. No matter what. And I want to tell you, I feel very strongly that the reason that many followers of Jesus don't experience his power in their life is because they aren't obeying him. They aren't obeying him. They're rationalizing. They're making excuses as to why it's okay with God if they ignore some of the things that God has asked them to do. And in the Old Testament, we read about a guy like this. His name was Saul, and he was the king that God had placed over God's people and God told him one day to go to war and gave him specific instructions to destroy the animals and all the possessions of the people that they conquered and Saul's army won the battle with God's help and they almost did what God asked him to do almost but they kept some of the best things especially the best animals. And so God sent his spokesman Samuel to say, Saul, you didn't do what I told you to do. And Saul said, yes, we did. We did what you said, but we kept some of the best animals um, 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 so that we could make sacrifices to God. That's why we kept the best animals. And look at Samuel's response to that answer. Samuel replied, has the lord as much pleasure in your burnt offerings and sacrifices as in your obedience obedience is far better than sacrifice he is much more interested in your listening to him than in your offering the fat of rams to him samuel said god would rather have you obey him than give him gifts he'd rather have you obey him than give him gifts while rationalizing your disobedience. And if you're a parent, you understand exactly what Samuel said there because it's what you want too. It's what you want. I mean, let's say your son's getting ready to go off to college and you have saved all of his life so that you can send him to college. And so you give him money for the tuition. And you give him the money for the tuition and two weeks later... He comes back to your house. He's not taken one college course, but he's spent the money and he has bought you a really nice gift. He's bought himself some good stuff too, but he bought you a really, really nice gift. What would you rather have? His obedience? Or a really nice gift. You see, God wants your obedience. He really meant it when he asked you to resolve conflict, as Bill described in his message a few weeks ago. He really meant it when he asked you to give 10% of your income. He really meant it when he told you husbands to submit to your wives by loving them the way that Jesus loves the church, and you wives to submit to your husbands and to respect them. He really meant it when he asked you to avoid sexual sin. He really meant it when he asked you to use your gifts and your talents to be the difference. So is it possible that you aren't plugged into God's power because his power comes through determined obedience and you've been making excuses? You've been rationalizing your disobedience. You see, you will experience his power when you are fully devoted to Jesus and that happens when you commit yourself to depending on him and when you commit yourself to determined obedience. Let that soak in for a minute. There's another aspect of this that I want to talk about. What about impact? We are here today as one church in one location. We've pulled all four of our weekend services together in this room. uh, Our Beaver Valley campus and our Moon campus together in this one service. And um, there are good things about that. But we also want to experience God's power as a church. So how do we do that? Well, to plug into God's power, impact must be fully devoted to Jesus. It's not different. We need to be fully devoted to Jesus. And basically, what's true of us as individuals is also true for us together as Christ church. If we plug into God's power as a church, we need to be fully devoted to Jesus. And we do that in the same way. First, we commit ourselves to depending on Jesus. We are about to close escrow. I think it's a week from Tuesday on the airport ice arena and take possession of the building and the land and we will build a community center as a gift to the people in our area and it will be a place where they can come and have coffee together and they can have birthday parties and baby showers and it will be a place where kids sports teams can come and practice and other groups can have meetings and events and oh yeah our moon campus We'll have worship services there on the weekends also. And we expect hundreds of people from the community to come and visit our church because they've come to our community center. Or they're just so interested in a church that would do this. And do we think that this will work because we're smart? Do we think that this will work because we've studied all the issues and we found others that are doing it successfully? No, no. We think it's going to work because we're depending on God. We are doing it not because we're smart enough or strong enough, but because God is. God is. And I take comfort in a message God gave to a man named Zerubbabel who God asked to enter a big expensive building program for him. Look at what it says in Zechariah chapter 4. So the angel explained that it was... The following message of the Lord to Zerubbabel I am the Lord all powerful, so don't depend on your own power or strength, but on my spirit. Zerubbabel, that mountain in front of you will be leveled to the ground. Then you will bring out the temple's most important stone and shout, God has been very kind. What God is asking us to do is daunting. It sometimes seems like there's a mountain of obstacles in our path. But I believe that we can depend on God to level the mountain, to give us success. And when he does, it won't be because of our skill or the size of our church. It will be because we depend on Jesus and we give him the credit. When we move in there, we will say, God has been very kind. God has been very kind. We've got to depend on him. And so I just want to pause again for just a minute. And as one church, I want to pray together, expressing our dependence on God. Let's pray together. Father, you know how weak we are. You know how many times our good intentions don't really translate into the action that we desire or that you desire. And Father, you've asked us to do something big, something scary, something expensive. And Father, we know we can't do it. But through Christ, we can do all things. And so, Father, together in this place right now, We declare how much we need you. Would you, if you agree with what I'm going to say, would you just repeat aloud the prayer that I'm about to say? Father, we need you to lead us. we us. We We depend on your strength and your power. We will do what you ask us to do. We need you to show us the way. way. But we commit commit ourselves to depending on you. It's not by our strength, not by our might. might. but But by your spirit, Lord. Level the mountains. Work in such a big way, only you get the credit. credit. And we declare that God has been very good to us. us. In Jesus' name, name. amen. Amen. Secondly, in order for our church to plug into God's power, we commit ourselves to determined obedience. Remember that verse that we looked at earlier? Remember how King Saul rationalized not obeying God by saying that he was going to use the animals for a sacrifice to God. He was basically saying, I'm going to disobey God in order to obey God in a different way. I'm going to disobey God so I can obey a different command of God. Can I tell you, churches sometimes rationalize not obeying in exactly the same way. I mean, they don't take big steps. They don't take big risks. They decide that, you know, we can't really do what God seems to be asking us to do because we want to be good stewards. And being good stewards is more important than taking steps of faith. And they say, we will do it when God provides. But they miss the fact that God always waits to provide until we step out on faith. He always waits to provide until we take the step of faith, a step that doesn't seem to make sense, the step of determined obedience, obeying God no matter what. And when we take that step, God provides. And there have been many of those steps over the years for our church, many of them. Some of us weren't around for some of them. There was a group that had determined obedience about starting a church in this area over 40 years ago there was a group that couldn't afford it but they bought property on thorn run road where our moon campus meets today and more recently we've taken steps of obedience i mean without those steps of obedience there would not be a live with impact radio program without those steps of obedience there would not be A Saturday night service there would not be an impact Beaver Valley and we would not be launching an online campus you see we are determined to obey God we are determined to follow his vision to build a community center in moon and eventually build a community center in Beaver Valley and for all of the other campuses that we start around the area and how could we do less How could we do less? I mean, our leaders have committed to depending on Jesus and to determined obedience, and this is what God is calling us to do. And both of these things that we've been talking about are summed up in Proverbs chapter 3. Look at what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Never rely on what you think you know. Remember the Lord in everything you do, and He will show you the right way. Never let yourself think that you are wiser than you are. Simply obey the Lord and refuse to do wrong. So, I want to end with a question that I started with today, that I started with each week of this series. What if doing one simple thing could change everything for you? What if it could change everything? for you i mean what if you really could experience the power of jesus in your life by being fully devoted to him by committing yourself to depending on jesus by committing yourself to determined obedience every day what would that look like for you i dare you to do that i dare you i dare you not to slip back into a normal faith and into the usual religious rituals I dare you to experience God's power like never before by obeying him like never before. But let me ask you a similar question. What if doing one simple thing together could change everything for our communities? What if it could change everything for our communities? What if by all of us deciding today that we aren't going to hold back, That we're going to depend on Jesus completely, that we're going to commit to Him our determined obedience, and individually and collectively as a church, one church and multiple locations, we're going to obey what God is calling us to do. We were going to answer His call, we were going to be fully devoted to Him. What if? What if we gave more and served more and loved more and pursued God together and Unleashed compassion on Western Pennsylvania and really around the world. What if we built community through our groups and by inviting people into our community centers? What if we did that? I believe with all my heart that's what God's calling us to do. But it will take more than words, it'll take more than a pep rally in a hotel ballroom. It will take obedient action. Look at this passage from James chapter 2. My brothers and sisters, if people say they have faith but do nothing, their faith is worth nothing. Can faith like that save them? A brother or sister in Christ might need clothes or food. And if you say to that person, God be with you. I hope you stay warm and get plenty to eat. But you do not give what that person needs. Your words are worth nothing. In the same way, faith that is alone, that does nothing, is dead. So you see that people are made right with God by what they do, not by faith only. See, a faith that does nothing is worth nothing. Coming to church and singing songs about Jesus isn't enough. Saying you believe in him isn't enough. Real faith is going to move to obedient action. So figure out your next step and commit yourself fully to depending on him, to obeying him. And when each of us decides to give him our heart and depend on him and obey him like never before, and when we unite together, we will change our communities for Jesus like never before. So I dare you to experience God's power like never before by, be, by obeying him like never before. And I dare us to do that. I dare us to do that. I dare us to become a church that's different than any other church in this community because we're attempting a vision that God has given to us that apparently he hasn't given to any other church in our community, or at least not to a church that's been listening. Let's not do church as normal. Let's not be a nice little church that holds nice little services each week and really doesn't move the ball forward for Jesus. Let's follow God fully. Let's watch him make an impact. And make impact, make an impact. Not just for a year or two, but for eternity. Let's do this so generations from now our kids and our grandkids in a community center campus all around this area can look back and say, those people way back then, They figured out how to plug into God's power. And without question. They were fully devoted. Let's pray. Heavenly Father forgive us for the times when we've been half-hearted. Forgive us for the times when we have failed to follow you fully. Forgive us Father for the times when we've been satisfied with a mediocre faith. And Father now. Give us the courage and the strength to follow you fully. Thank you that you promise to give to us strength and help. And Father, help us to plug into your power. Father, help us to understand that you have the power. We just need to rest in you, to to depend on you, to obey you. Help us, Father, be fully devoted to you. In Jesus' name, amen.